we go to work and when we're Welcome to Whining with Nurses. I'm Kat. And I'm Sarah. And we're nurses. And we whine. <laughs> and we're going to drink some wine. <laughs> you found us. It's our Nursing Whining Podcast. Welcome. Um, we're here to talk about our bodies and your bodies. And some grape juice. Everybody's. With, ooh, that's really chilled. <laughs> it's been in the fridge for... Three days, so it's very three chilled. Days. You saw her three days ago? Oh, you just put it in three days yeah. ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Thanks for joining in, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, uh, Sarah has some... Oh, did you already talk about it last week? I missed what? last week. That I started a new job? Yeah. I kind of did, but I didn't really go into full detail about it. You want to like... Let's talk about sure. the wine real oh, quick yeah. first. So we so can we drink can it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was um, given to us by Paula, our Florence Nightingale nurse. Paula, we love you. You're so good to us. <laughs> you just keep giving us things. And you, you give the eternal gift of your quotes that we will repeat forever and ever. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was trying to think of what to say. Just Which tell me like, what you want you to what what you want me to do and I'll do it. All right, girls. That's too much sharing. <laughs> too much sharing. What is he, 12? <laughs> I hope she listens to this. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, so she gave us a bottle of three sticks Chardonnay from the Sonoma Coast. Uh, the grapes are from Durrell Vineyard and it's a 2016 harvest. Oh, I really like the... Though it's really simple, the three sticks on it looks real cool, though. Mm-hmm, it does. Like, They're like kind of copper colored, uh, and it has a little embellishment on the top, which I'm about to rip through. Oh, am I opening this? You want to? And I'll tell I'll tell everybody about my new job. Yes. So I got a job at a heart hospital at a heart hospital. Heart hospital. Uh, I got a job at a hospital, which I never thought I would do. I left the hospital about four years ago, and I said I'm never coming back. I was like, you mean you never thought you would do again? Right. I I said I would never go back in the hospital again. But now it's been four years and I guess I'm ready. Um, You have to go keep twisting in more. I'm like, maybe that's why the cork broke last time. You got to go all the way in. It did. Um, More? Yeah, all the way in. (laughs) Okay. I don't always go all the way in. It's not just the tip. Just just go on. Just (laughs) put the whole thing in there. Um, (laughs) So anyway, I started this week. It's just orientation week where you basically have like classroom learning with everybody else who got hired. So Uh it's, you know, clinical and non-clinical people. Uh And let me tell you about my first day because it was... Fine in terms of the orientation, but oh my God, I hated it. Go ahead. Yay. Success. Um, You hated it today? I hated it because of the person sitting next to me. So we were in this um, conference room and I was one of the last people in and there were hardly anybody in one of the back rows, hardly Mm. any people. Mm. So I sat in that row and I had two spaces next to me and I was like getting on a flight and having the window seat, you know, and nobody sitting next to you or having the aisle seat and no one next to you. And uh-huh. I was just thought I had it made in the shade. And then about- Made an, in the shade? Yeah. <laughs> Never heard that. Really? No. How funny. So okay. about an hour in, these two other guys come and I think they had gotten lost because we were supposed to be in one room and then we got moved and they got there late and didn't find it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they both come and sit next to me and the guy sitting right next to me is just 
clearing his throat, blowing his nose, making like <sighs> snorting noise, like he's clearing <sighs> mucus out of his nostrils, like out of his sinuses and his um, throat the whole time and blowing his nose really loud. And then, you know, all the papers that got passed down the row, he was sitting next to me. So every paper I had got touched by him first. Ew. We were talking about standard precautions Flu and how season. assuming that everybody has something you don't want. And I was thinking, mm, he's got a lot of stuff I don't want. <laughs> Yeah, germs, get away. I know, I was so grossed out. And then he also had this cup of soup and he was slurping noodles for 30 minutes and just making a lot of mouth noises. Cup of soup and... Not that, you know. I don't know. I think he liked it. Was he a nurse? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, he did something else. And then... um, so we get up to... they, They catered our lunch and it was, you know, in those little trays everybody's going mm-hmm. down and serving themselves mm-hmm. and guess who is first through the line oh, that guy i tried dude. to beat him and he bolted out the door and beat everyone <sighs> that is sucky i was it trying was, to think of like a pun i could use with like cold oh it that is snotty I don't know. it was nasty i was just distressed about it the whole day and i wanted to move but there were no empty seats there were none. So I had to sit there next to him the whole day. Is that why you got your noises. flu shot today? <laughs> <laughs> he pushed you over the edge. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and protect myself about from anything that this guy might be giving me. Mm-hmm. Just gross, man. Yeah, that's rude. Also, he blew his nose and then he didn't wash his hands before he went through the line to eat. So I just watched whatever he got and I got other things. Not that. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Can I have a separate um, serving spoon? I just want my own. So I bring my serving spoon. It's, I just keep a foldable one in my purse. (laughs) I should. (laughs) They have foldable straws. Have you seen those like little silicone ones and you can like pop them open and use them that you just keep in your purse. So people don't have, yeah. So you don't have to use reusable straws and Mm -hmm. did not know that. Yeah. Someone told me about it. Uh, Maybe Anna or, I don't know. Hmm. But we should get one. Save the planet. Hashtag save the planet. Okay, so besides the boogery dude, uh, how'd it go? It was fine. It was just the standard, you know, here's our hospital's history and mission and values mm-hmm. and all the different people that you need to be in contact with, mm-hmm. IT, HR, employee health, whatever, right. all that stuff. Oh, so it didn't like, did they like show you your floor? No, today was just a general okay. hospital orientation day. Gotcha. Tomorrow, I think, and most of this week, is still orientation. I won't go to the floor until next week. Mm. So I think tomorrow have more nursing classes, like classes that they have the nurses and the MAs take stuff about communication with patients and, you know, stuff that Mm. applies to clinical staff. Mm -hmm. I think that's most of what this week is. And then computer training. I was going to say, so when do you have to do the really, really fun part? All the HIPAA and the bloodborne pathogens? Uh, Yeah, that's probably part of... The, the, you know, computer training that I have to do on my own time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so how long does uh, the nurse orientation part take? Like when you're one-on-one with a nurse who's orienting you? Um, for me, they're giving me nine days. So they're giving me th- uh, six shifts on day shift and three on night. Um, I think because I'm an experienced nurse, mm-hmm. you know, if it was, if I was a new grad, um, then they would give me more. Yeah, usually six weeks at minimum. And mm-hmm. then it depends on the hospital and what kind of programs they offer new grads. Right. So, Are you, so we've got some new grads starting that I met oh, in orientation today. That's exciting. It is. I bet they're all nervous. Yeah. And some of them are on my unit. So that oh, was cool. cool. Do they seem nice? Uh, so, so. We'll see. <laughs> 
we'll find out. Uh, maybe they're just nervous. They're more nervous than not nice. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, well, that's cool. Um, I was going to ask you something. I forget. It looked really pretty. I saw your pictures. Oh my gosh. It's so pretty there. It's like they just dropped a hospital in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Koi pond. Mm-hmm. That's relaxing. I know. If you have like a stressful day morning, you can just go out and stare at the fish. Mm-hmm. Blue skies. So how's it at the office without me? Do you miss me terribly after one day? I miss your <laughs> presence, but not your help. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's because Sarah has not been working and doing what I'm doing for quite a while. Uh, she's like been doing device. So, well, you've been doing device, obviously. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like you're missing that much. Um, but yeah, I miss your like laugh. Like, hey guys, what's up? What's going on? And your jokes. Sarah <laughs> loves to make lots of corny jokes and it's amazing. I love dad jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's the wine? It's, pretty, it's good. I'm just starting to taste and smell it. I think this is one of the more, you know, buttery, oaky Chardonnays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very bright yellow. It is. I really like the color. Yeah. It's clear. Good. It's golden. Mm-hmm. Um, smells like butter when you smell it, obviously. It smells like when you smell it. <laughs> you know what happens when you smell it? It smells like something. It smells like some. Uh, so... Mm. I wanted to tell you about last night too. We went to a wine pickup party, mm-hmm. Ryan and I did, and um, we met a psychic. Well, first we met her sister. There was this this lady who was walking around and she didn't have anyone to sit with. Uh-huh. And the guy working there seemed like he was kind of getting annoyed trying to be her buddy. So we said, you can come sit with us. And um, <laughs> so she came and sat with us and said, what do you recommend? Which I thought was funny because we're all eating and tasting and drinking everything, yeah. you know? So anyway, Do you have to, I've never been to one. Do you have to pay for a wine pickup? Not if you're a member. Okay, it's included. Okay. Gotcha. Um, you should come to one with me. It's yeah. twenty five dollars if you're not a member, but it's totally worth it because yeah. you get really good wine and food pairings at, at Williamson's, which is where we went. So anyway, the lady, she's nice, and we, you know, keep sitting at the same table. We're chatting, mm-hmm. and I had on this um, necklace that my neighbor gave me, and it had this blue stone. And somehow we were talking about stones. And Ryan, I think, asked her about her jewelry. Mm-hmm. And then she said, oh, my sister can interpret what different stones are. She can tell you what they mean and what they're for. And um, I showed her mine and she said, yeah, she could tell you what that is. She'll be here later. So her sister shows up at almost the very end of the party, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of funny because then she and um, the man she was with, they kind of had some catching up to do because they were like, <laughs> well, at least the guy, he was he was drinking a lot. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't witness that. But oh, Ryan that type did. of catching up? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but her sister was so nice and she looked at my stone and told me exactly what it was and it's a lapis lucite or something it's something double l's um and she told me that it just is the right thing for me because it helps you to stay grounded but also helps you to be uplifted or you know uh it helps you find the balance between your dreams and your reality Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. i'm paraphrasing but Mm -hmm. essentially that's what she said and that it was the right one for me and then she's talked about all these things that i just felt like she knew me which i guess is a sign of a good psychic. And I was, I was like, so when's she going to get to the psychic part? Yeah. What did she, did she tell you anything? She didn't predict anything, but she just told me things about me that I guess 
I was surprised that she had this intuition about me. Mm -hmm. Um, I told her I was a nurse and she said, yeah, but you're not just a nurse. You're a healer in other ways. You have bigger ideas for healing. You want to heal the world Mm -hmm. and you want to connect people and heal um, the earth, you know, something Mm -hmm. about nature. And I was like, hey, are you listening to this, Ryan? She's talking about me. (laughs) I always wonder because people say stuff like that, but a lot of times you can generalize and that's how they say they're psychic because they generalize about what they think that person and people like that probably are thinking or how they probably are based off your personality Mm -hmm. and what you're wearing and like, you know, but you never know though. The, um, when Renee, were you listening when Renee was telling the, her, Oh, I don't think you were there yet at my party. Uh, she was telling a story of, she had a work party and there was like a magician there and he did these crazy tricks which now I can't remember, but they were really, really <laughs> cool. And, and like, oh, he had people write things only they would know, like the last four of their social uh-huh. um, on a piece of paper, crumple it up, put it in an envelope, lick it, seal it shut. And then he would write down on a notepad what it was. And like, he'd never met anyone. He didn't talk to anyone. I mean, as far as I know, before the party, you wouldn't tell someone your last four of your social. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> but, you know, like it was stuff <laughs> like that that was, that was personal. And... um and he would guess it. And he wrote the answer on a notepad, turned it around to the crowd and it was like the right answer. Uh, how do you do that stuff? You know, but so maybe there are psychic mm. people that kind of can pick up a feeling. I don't know. I know. I was, I want to be a skeptic. Um, and I, I was thinking at first, well, she can just say something like a generalization, mm. like you were saying, and then gauge my reaction. Mm-hmm. And if, if my face looks like she's going in the right direction, right. then just expand on that, you know? Yeah. But on the other hand... I don't know. I want to believe also. See, you're already <laughs> battling the your grounded part in your dreams. <laughs> oh, where's my lapis lucy? <laughs> that sounds really fun. I would love to go to one of those. I have her card. I'll give it to you. No. But she's only here for another no, day. Not that. I oh, want to go to a wine pickup party. <laughs> a wine pickup party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to one of those for sure. I like this. I think I the wine's too. good. I'm getting a little um, uh, pear or something when I smell it and maybe some vanilla hmm. and apple. Does it say anything mm. on here? I don't know. Well, you read it and tell me if I'm right. <laughs> I get like caramely something. Uh, let's see. Dorella is our flagship vineyard and has been for the sort of... I don't know. I'm back to Hey, we can't hear what you're thinking. I, I'm trying to just find what notes <laughs> what notes it has in here. Our of, listeners um, are like heartfelt oh, practice. I, I think we're tasting the love that they had making this. Oh, it did taste like love. You're right. Yeah, oh, that was the flavor. It was That's caramel. It. I thought it was caramel. It was totally love. They yeah. loved making that. Yeah, easily confused those two. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how you make that mistake. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so how was your dirty 30, nerdy 30? I don't like saying dirty 30. I don't know. What are you calling well, it? Your birthday. Just my 30th. Your 30th. Mm. I'm not very excited. I want to call you the nerdy 30 because you wear glasses and you're just cute. I'm just nerdy. You like uh, you I'd know, rather anime. Be, I'd rather be nerdy. <laughs> and more. I am anyway more than dirty. Um, that was my friend putting that on, <laughs> uh, which I loved. It was super fun. Um, I had a really good time. 
Really mm-hmm. a time. Thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for inviting me. And That's you went to fun. San Diego last week. Yeah, to San Diego, had my party, did a lot of things with fran- family and friends. And then they came again to my birthday. And then I'm doing like a fun spa day on Friday. with. That's good because I noticed Nicole. that now that you're 30, you've developed some wrinkles. It's because I'm so happy because I've been <laughs> smiling the whole weekend. They aren't permanent. <laughs> Botox that shit up. Just kidding. Welcome to your 30s. <laughs> I'm way too scared to ever do Botox. <laughs> Plus, I'm thinking, yeah. Age gracefully. I don't know. Huh. Unless Easier you're really ugly, done. then we have really good cosmetic surgery. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I don't think I, well, uh, yes, I am too afraid to do Botox. I don't want any needles injecting things into me ever. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. What if it's like injecting numbing medication or like a nerve block because you injured yourself? Yes. I mean, I got a freaking flu shot today. I would definitely get some numbing stuff. Okay. Would you want like next time you want numbing before your flu shot? I would love that. Actually, you know what would be better? (laughs) If I could get the inhaled kind. I asked her for it and she said, oh, we haven't ordered any because last year they weren't recommending it. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of waiting. Yeah. You can wait. And I should have. But then I was just like, I'm not probably going to convince myself to come back in here, yeah. you know, again. So I should just do it and get it over with. And now my arm's really sore. She did a good job. She, she I didn't even feel the needle going in. I did, of course, feel the medicine because mm-hmm. that <laughs> feels awful. That's the part that really hurts. Like there's a little pinch and then you inject all that solution and it has to go in kind of your muscle expands to accept it, right? And then it gets all absorbed. So that part I always think hurts more than the poke, it's that pressure of all that fluid going in. Mm-hmm. It's like shoving your tissue out of the way. Mm-hmm. Make room for me. I'm inactivated virus and I need to take up all the space in your muscle. So you wanted that all on your nose instead? Yes, because if I was going to be exposed <laughs> yes. to the flu yes. in real life, I would inhale it, you know? Mm-hmm. It would come in through my nostrils. And mm, plus you don't have to get a needle poked into you. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even the needle. I really, I didn't even feel the poke. It's just the stuff being injected into you and you can't take it back out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, hopefully you won't get episode, the flu. You'll get my full <laughs> spectrum of feelings on the flu yeah. shot. Yeah. I don't have to listen. I know. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. <laughs> I never I said I, it before. Or what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a few times. I've never actually even thought about asking for the nasal one, the intranasal one. I've just never... I know, I know it's a thing. I just, for some reason, it's never even crossed my mind to ask for it. Me either until this year, for some reason. Because you don't usually ever get the flu shot, That's maybe. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ask for anything, actually. <laughs> well, uh, next time, hopefully. We're still waiting for the flu shot at work. Really? Yeah. Well, it's still early in the season. I want it like the second it's available any year, I want it that day. I want it like the second it's available because I really don't want to get the flu. And I get the flu shot every year because I really, 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 really don't want it. And uh, anyway, it's still not available. And I don't want to go upstairs to primary care and pay someone to like stick a needle in my arm and I can just turn around and have someone else, Jessica, give it to me, you know? Yeah. (sighs) Oh, well. Wait. I'll have to wait. Maybe I'll stand and rub my arm next to your arm and we can osmosis some. (laughs) Please. If you can take some of this pressure out of my shoulder, I would love it. It does look a little swollen. Yeah. I see? can see it bulging from like the outside of your sweatshirt. Really? No. That's just my muscle. No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, easily confused. <laughs> <laughs> I like looking at bulges outside of clothes. It's weird. Oh. Hmm. What other bulges do you like to look at? Well, actually, we were on our way here. Dirty 30 year old. <laughs> 
sometimes I am. We were on our way here and I look over at Carter and he has this like bright blue fuzz on his crotch of his pants. It's like, (laughs) why did you just finish like something with the, what is it? Sesame Street? No. Um, Elmo? No, wait. Um, Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it was funny. Speaking of bulges. Anyway, speaking of nursing stuff, do you have any nursing stuff to share? I do. Um, Well, so I wanted to talk, since it's October, I was going to continue on my, you know, thing about wine and people having wine intolerance, but I'll come back to that in November or December. People, don't worry. Mm -hmm. We're going to go deep into that. Yeah. I think it's super interesting. I do too. I want to know why can't some people have wine? And I also want to know about the Asian people who have an intolerance to certain alcohols Mm -hmm. and what is that? Um, so, but since it's October and because somebody um, that I really uh, don't know personally, but I really admire died this week and it's Andy Gessling, one of the musicians from Railroad Earth. He's just a phenomenal musician, um, plays a million different instruments proficiently and just a unique artist. talent. He's an artist. Yeah. He's really unique. Um, and he died and... Um, it's October and this is, you know, we're coming up on Halloween and after that, Dia de los Muertos. So how did I say that? Dia de los Muertos. Sounded great. I'm trying to use a better accent when I speak Spanish. I think it sounded good. Gracias. Now you're mixing. Pikachu over here. Takeshi has this really awesome Pikachu sweatshirt. We should take a picture and post it because I really like what's happening with his yellow wine. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, Okay, sorry. Yes, it's really, really sad that he died. It is. Do you think they're going to find someone else to... I mean, they'll have to... They'll, they'll to have keep to. going, they, right? Yeah, yeah, they've already had people filling in for him in Aww. recent weeks as he's been sick, but he's never going to be... He's not replaceable, you know? I mean, he would play two instruments at the same time sometimes. And Ryan and I had this ongoing joke about he can pick up anything and make it an instrument. Mm-hmm. So we would pick up a blade of grass and blow on that. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just another instrument Andy Gessling's proficient at. And, oh, the conch shell? Andy Gessling plays the conch shell. He can play Aww. anything and make it sound amazing. So anyway. Well, thanks for being an awesome person on this planet and sharing all your music. And yeah. Rest in peace, Andy. Um, but it made me start thinking about death. And maybe this is a good time to talk about death and dying in our podcast. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's a great time. That's always a good time because it's always happening. It is. And one death of, and taxes. One of your neighbors is a death, is a, uh, what is she? Um, she's your neighbor. She's leaving. Hmm? She's a- Oh, she's a hospice doctor. A hospice doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It just reminded me. Why Maybe do- Maybe she would come in and talk about it. I so, just- Go grab her. Go run down the street. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think it's too late for tonight, but maybe we can get her to come on next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I so there are lots of different aspects of death. So, what I wanted to talk about today is what happens in a hospital when someone dies, and then also just some things you should be thinking about in terms of what you want to happen when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, you know, the what happens in a hospital depends on the circumstances of the death. I mean, obviously, if it's something tragic and unexpected that can look a lot different from something that's more expected and right. imminent. So um, people have time to prepare for that. and Exactly. And that's what I'm going to focus on today is, you know, when a death is, you, you know, it's coming. Um, so if someone dies in a hospital, there's a couple of things that always have to happen. Um, so a doctor 
has to pronounce the patient dead. Turns out a hospice nurse can also pronounce a patient dead, which I hmm. think I heard before, but I didn't remember. But a doctor still has to sign the death certificate. Yeah. Um, it so, makes sense that mm-hmm. a hospice nurse could because that's kind of their area. But, yeah. But yeah, I, I had only heard that MDs could do that. Yeah. Or no. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe nurse practice. I don't know. I guess I hadn't really researched it. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it. Interesting. Um, so you got to notify the family or next of kin if they don't, or if they're not already aware. Um, you consider organ and tissue donation. So here's something I didn't really realize. I thought that all hospitals and in all states, if someone dies, the nurse is obligated to call an organ donation um, center because every place I've ever worked at, that was part of you know mm-hmm. what was required. Mm-hmm. But when I was researching it today, it turns out the hospital has to have an agreement with an OPO or an organ, organ procurement organization. So they already have to have an agreement. Um, hmm. So I guess this doesn't happen at every single hospital. I didn't, anyway, I, I don't really know enough about that. So if you want to donate your organs, I guess you should you know, think about that and where you're getting your care and everything. So I think most hospitals do. So you mean if you die at, let's say Sutter Hospital, but you had an, and you have an agreement with, you know, Organs of America and they don't work with Sutter Hospital, then you can't, what do you mean by they have to have an agreement? The hospital has to have an agreement with an organ procurement organization. Mm -hmm. So if you, if I, you know, die at Sutter, Mm -hmm. um, and I want to be an organ donor, they already have something established with that, an OPO. So okay. it's like the nurses there call that specific place that they have an agreement with. Okay. If it was a hospital that had no agreement, mm-hmm. which I think is really rare because I've never seen one that doesn't, mm-hmm. then I don't know what they would do. If you wanted to be an organ donor, I'm not really sure. I wonder about like, what if you wanted to donate your body or your organs to science or something, and then you went into Sutter that didn't work with a company that did that, that I don't know about. You know. I don't know if they have to have a certain agreement mm-hmm. in that case. The thing is with organ donation, you know, time is of the essence. So right. you have to get the organs out while they're still good. Right. When you're donating your body to science, oh, you can just die. So that's true. I think there's some time to mm-hmm. work with, you know, to figure mm-hmm. out what you're going to do. Um, another thing uh, that I, I knew about but I hadn't really thought about is that people might want to consider autopsy. Um, and, you know, that is obviously a good idea if there's suspicion around why the person died. But also um, sometimes if they want to confirm a diagnosis, like if they think someone has Alzheimer's and the only way you can really diagnose that is by doing an autopsy. Right, looking Um, at the brain and... mm -hmm. So that would be a way to confirm that. Um, But so so those are some of the things that, that definitely happen when people die in the hospital. Yes. Question. So let's say someone thought they might've been poisoned, for example, and they would that be considered an autopsy? Because what if you're just drawing blood to test it? Is that still considered like, after death? Is it always, con- this? you probably don't know the answer. I don't know. But is that considered know. an autopsy? Like I'm just I don't think that's considered an autopsy, but maybe it's considered something else. You know, a medical examiner yeah. would. Right. Is know. a medical examiner always involved in an autopsy? Well, right. I know in an autopsy, but like... But in not. any death? No. No. Okay. No. Um, Only if there's studies or something that needs to be done after they die other than just to the funeral home or, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. So the nurse has some responsibilities if a patient dies. Um, one of the things is postmortem care. So this is something that 
have you ever have you ever been with a patient when they die? Mm-mm. Um, I know you and I have talked about this though before, and we? it was really interesting. Yeah, I think we have like a long time ago. I don't remember why we were talking about it, but can uh, I tell you my story about the first patient I was with? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear. So this is when I was um, a newer nurse. I, I think I'd been a nurse for a couple of years, and um, I was in a, a hospital where they had a a cardiac unit I was working on. And this woman was, she was older and she was, it was one of those cases where we knew she was going to pass on pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And we had notified her family. And when it started looking like, okay, now it's going to be a little more quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be hours rather than days. We called them again to see if they wanted to come in. And there was some feud or dispute going on in the family. And so they didn't want to come in. I don't remember what the circumstances were, but maybe they didn't want to be there at the same time as the other person or something. So this woman is dying. And, um, you know, I went into her bedside when I knew that it was, it was going to be happening. And there was Mm -hmm. another care partner or MA there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the lady wasn't conscious, but we just held her hand and talked to her. And we told her, I told her that her family's coming and that they love her. Because mm-hmm. she, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's an okay lie to tell, right? I think that's a <laughs> perfectly wonderful lie to tell somebody. So, um, and then she passed away. And then her family came a couple of hours later, which mm-hmm. I just thought was really sad. Yeah. But one of the things I did in between her dying and her family arriving was um, post-mortem care. Um, and this was the first time I hadn't even thought about it. Oh, we should take the IV lines out and all the things that we were using to treat. You yeah. should take those out. Right. <laughs> Someone had to tell me that. So um, anyway, we removed the Foley catheter, removed all the IV lines, take any, you know, she had telemetry stickers, electrodes on her chest, took those off. And then um, the other thing, you just want to make sure that they look nice, especially if their family's not there already. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good to just clean them up and make sure that they are, you know. Their hair is not all ratty and their mouth isn't open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if they, you know, had some, yeah, like drool on their chin or something, Mm -hmm. you know, clean them up and and make them look nice and then try to arrange them in the bed. There's two reasons for that. One is that, um, you know, you want the patient to be laying in a, a natural looking position, which mm-hmm. typically they are, but also because rigor mortis can set in mm-hmm. um, and it varies from patient to patient. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, I've, I've read it can take as little as 10 minutes. I don't know if that's actually true, but um, it can also take up to as long as six hours. Um, so you want to get them in a certain position before they get stuck in the position they're right. in. For a while. They're not stuck forever, but right. for a while. Also, yeah. what about um, if the family... Oops, sorry. What if the family's there... Cat farted. <laughs> Very <laughs> sh- flat farting. Because um, uh, like bowel and bladder control go away mm-hmm. and gas. Good point. So you want to be aware of those things. And right. so we removed the Foley catheter, but that was, so we didn't have to worry about urine coming out mm-hmm. because it was her bladder empty. was already drained. Yeah. But yeah, the sphincter can loosen. So you can lose control of your bowels if there's anything there. This woman, that wasn't a problem because she hadn't been eating for mm-hmm. a few days. So um, there really wasn't anything to come out, but that's something to think about. Was it weird like removing a catheter and IVs on a dead person? Yes. Uh, for some reason I felt the need to be even more careful. I mean, you want to be careful with people. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hurt them. But for some reason, I just felt like I needed to treat Mm -hmm. her more delicately. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I wonder if it's a mixture of like respect to that person and caring that they passed, even though they're not there. And also like their tissue knowing like, okay, well, a person will just heal if something happened. This person won't, you know, it's, Mm. I mean, maybe subconsciously thinking like, I don't want to rip their skin and then it's going to be there forever. That's a good point. I don't know. You want to damage something that can't, yeah, be undone. So the family came. Did you cry when you said like your family loves you? Yeah, I was crying for, you know, I wasn't bawling, but I was yeah. tearing up yeah. for a while. Yeah, It's intense. Mm-hmm. And I was glad that the other person was there with me because it wasn't the first time she'd experienced a patient death. So I felt like she was kind of guiding me and the patient both a little right. bit, you know? Right. So right. that was really um, valuable. Um, yeah, that's really hard. Other things you might want to think about is just cleaning up the room, you know, just making it comfortable and neat and mm-hmm. putting tissues out and having things just kind of there and available for the family. Yeah. Um, and then families in general should be able, and in most places I've worked, have as much time as they want with the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, if that's a really busy hospital and you've got to have a bed, there might be a little more pressure to, you know, I guess make that happen faster, yeah. yeah. But but I've never seen that happen. In general, families have been given as much time as they need with the family before Good. the patient gets transported either to, you know, a funeral home or um, I guess a mortuary. Or mm-hmm. um, one time we took a patient to a morgue in a hospital, and I can't remember why. Wait, you and guys transported the patient? Me and somebody else, some other hospital staff. That and I don't remember why. And that was the only time I think mm. I've ever seen a morgue too. And was I didn't it in go the hospital? <laughs> was it part of the hospital? It was part of the hospital. Oh, interesting, isn't it? Huh. Uh, anyway, I can't wish I remember more about that. Yeah. Um, Does, so let's say the family comes and then they say what they want to say and they leave. Then who takes normally? Who comes and takes the body? Um, someone from the funeral home typically comes to mm-hmm. pick them up, unless there's going to be like an autopsy. And yeah. Then it's the. Maybe that's why we took the person to the morgue because they still had um, right other stuff that was going to be happening. That would make sense. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. The closest I came to like, I have been around dead bodies, but the closest I came was, I, I forget, I think it was in some hospital and this, or I really don't remember when this was and a nurse pulled me aside. She said, I want to show you something. Stop me if I've already told the story. I don't know. Um, and she said, see her toes. And they were like all blue. She's like, before they die, like when they're getting close, their toes start to turn blue. And she's like, they all do this and they stop eating. And they do, I think I was a nurse, maybe a CNA, a certain nursing assistant learning. Mm -hmm. And she, this nurse told me, um, anyway, and that was like, this person was about to die. Um, and they were calling the family and stuff, but she's like, their toes turn blue. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case because huh. I've seen other bodies and I don't remember that, but she's like, their circulation and they don't eat and they don't talk and they don't, they're just kind of in, so inside of themselves. I can see how that, that would happen pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, your circulation, everything's shutting down, becoming cold. How soon, if you remember when you saw, when you were with that patient um, or that person, did you notice like, I guess immediately their skin would go cold because their heart stops beating. Their skin doesn't go cold immediately, but typically they go pale pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to skip down to this part of what I was going to talk about. Because, um, all right, so we talked about rigor mortis. What you're describing now is called liver mortis. I didn't know there was mm. a word for it, and it's L-I-V-O-R. 
Huh, livor, livor mortis. mortis. Yeah. So that's when um, the skin becomes really pale or ashen. And that's just because the blood's not circulating and it right. kind of settles down mm-hmm. lower in the body with gravity, like whatever part is touching the bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Towards your backside if you're lying on your back. Yeah, yeah. which is, it's true because then if you turn a patient over, then typically, you know, their their cheeks and their back look a little pink. Right. And well, gravity. That's where all the blood is. Think about it, gravity. It's going to go where it goes. It's still in the body. It doesn't just like turn into dust. Yeah. <laughs> whatever was circulating there is there just pooling and then, I don't know, dries up until they do. Are you going to talk about like what they do, what they pump your body full of? And No. Okay. Um, but, I, but I am going to talk about body decomposition a little bit. Mm-hmm. So th- there's liver mortis, mm-hmm. there's rigor mortis, um, which we talked about. That's when your muscles become stiff and unpliable and that lasts for, it can last a day to a couple of days and then they get, they, you know, soften up and become pliable again. Mm-hmm. That has something to do with ATP which is part of your metabolism process. And mm-hmm. I don't remember enough about ATP, but anyway, mm-hmm. it has some... That Provides has energy to, to your cells. And so, um, and then the last thing, which is kind of early in the decomposition process is algor mortis. Huh. I had no idea. I didn't either. People only talk about li- rigor mortis. I know, it gets all the credit. And yeah. then here, liver and algor are left in the dust. Dang it. <laughs> so that just has to do with the body going cold because you're no longer regulating your own temperature. So you just, and you actually don't go cold. You're, the body just takes on the temperature of the room that it's in, mm-hmm. which feels really cool to us because we're used to touching each other's skin at body mm-hmm. temperature. Right. And then if you touch someone who's room temperature, that could be right. 60, 70 degrees, you know, so. And what's that called again? Algor mortis. Algor mortis. And it's interesting because also when people are first born, they do not have thermal regulation, which is to the ability to regulate your temp, your own body temperature. So babies, that's why the, when they're even they're taken from the mother because they were kept their temperature inside the womb. And once they're out of the room, they take on whatever temperature is around them. So they put them on the little baby bed with a warmer above it to keep them warm or they dry them off really quickly because when you're cold and then there's air, you get cold faster yeah. or they put you skin to skin. And it's because they have no ability up until a certain amount of weeks old to do thermal regulation. Really? I so didn't kind know of that. we there's a lot of things about beginning and ending of life, you know, that are really similar. I wonder if people are gonna be uncomfortable like talking. I, I'm comfortable talking about this stuff, but mm. it's interesting. I am it's, too it's important and- to know though. I mean I think maybe some people don't want to think about it. Yeah. It's true. I well I think a lot of us don't want to think about it. But it is important to think about. And also there's something i I'm interested in and I've heard some um you know, other podcasts and just talks about mm-hmm. different options that you have for after someone dies that you love. You know, you don't have to just send them to a funeral home. Right. If someone's cremated, they don't have to be alone when that happens. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of different options. And I'm not going to go into that because I didn't learn anything about it today. I didn't research that, but I have a little of a story I know I can share when we're ready. No, yeah, you can go ahead. Uh, I, ha- I hope my friend doesn't mind me sharing this. I won't say who it is, but a uh, dear friend of mine, mother passed away several years ago and um, she was a very natural woman and, um, you know, ate very healthily and um, used... She's a natural woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when she when she died, I think it was like midnight, uh, my friend called me and I went over there and not too long after, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour and she would, was already like stiff as a board. And it was my first like close person I knew that had known for like a, half my life, you know. Mm-hmm. 
who had passed. Um, and I was like afraid to touch her for a really long time. It just, it was weird. Um, and she already kind of looked a little skeletal cause she had been sick. She had cancer. Um, and, um, and I did eventually. And then I was like, Oh, it's okay. It's you. I know. Um, uh, and they, so she died in her home and did, um, I guess she found some company who, uh, so what they do is they bathe you first, they clean you all up. And then, um, these were friends and family who did this. Um, they cleaned her all up and then wiped her down with a combination of certain like essential oils and stuff, I believe. Um, and then dressed her really nicely. And the next day, uh, everyone came over and said goodbye and they decorated the whole room, like her bedroom. And it was all in the colors she loved. It was so beautiful. People came, they arranged her hair all over the bed. It was really pretty. Um, mm-hmm. Said goodbye, um, you know, throughout like a whole day. And she was just there. And there weren't any issues with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a wake? Is that what that's called? I think so. Okay. Um, I've only ever been to funerals. I've never been to a wake. Yeah, I hadn't either until then. Uh, and then um, when it was time to like, you know, get her out of the house, they had a cardboard box that they had decorated. So they, um, people, I think her kids had like colored on it and painted. She was an artist. She was an art teacher. And um, they colored and painted and it was beautiful, beautifully decorated. And then she was later cremated in that box. Um, So it was a really different, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. You You know, I've been to like funerals and memorials. My grandmother had a memorial, so it was super different than a funeral. What is that? So, you know, a funeral is oftentimes in a church and there's a coffin up at the front mm-hmm. um, and people sit in pews, I don't know, talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the memorial, my grandmother wasn't there. She was cremated. But um, I think it was like half a week or a week later, we went through the whole house and got all these pictures together and we put pictures and all these picture frames and put them up everywhere. And there were books and memories of her and food and people just came all day long and talked about her and shared stories and laughed with each other. And it wasn't a, like a sad, it was remembering her life and all people from her life. We just all, like there weren't chairs. We just all sat and I think someone at some point kind of said, you know, thanks everyone for coming and and whatnot, but it was, everybody get out now. <laughs> okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> We've remembered her enough. <laughs> we have uh, only reserved this space for two hours, um, <laughs> but you know, it was something like that. So it wasn't funerally at all. Mm-hmm. Which, when I pass, that's what I want to do. Something like that, where people come and there can be pictures and fun memories and photos and food and things that I liked, and mm-hmm. people just laugh and share stories about the person. And that's that was my grandmother, and and it was um, for my friend's mom. It was. Um, Similar, there were more like chairs. It was kind of a good mixture of that. And then people had, you know, a good time and brought potluck food. And Hmm. there's so many different ways people can celebrate your life. And I think the difference between oftentimes a funeral sounds so sad, you Mm -hmm. know, and a celebration of life is more like a memorial. A celebration of life is uh, celebrating that person's life, which I think should be done when people die. Yeah. You know? Uh, but of course, Unless whatever. they're jerks. Well, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess you should the, even celebrate the jerks. I guess both so. <laughs> there are people. Um, but there are just so many different options in different ways. And although I haven't had a patient die, being around different experiences like that, it's really neat because you don't even know. I mean, you can, there, I found a company that you can, um, you can get cremated or no, get, get put in this like, 
a pod and grow into a tree. Yes. Yes. That's what I was going to say, actually. Oh. I kind of want to do that. How how neat would that be? You like um, give nutrients to, to the tree because you decompose and then this beautiful tree grows and it can be in the earth for years and years and years and people can appreciate the tree and you're like you help give life to that tree. I think that is so neat. I do too. Something like that. A lot of people want to be, I think like the ocean, like you grow up hearing that people want to be cremated and thrown into the ocean. That is the most, I, I don't like water much. Mm-hmm. You, you might like that idea. But to me, no, the ocean- No, go with the river rather than yeah, the ocean. so the river. But the ocean is like this huge dark, at night it's scary and choppy and there's animals in it. It's like the last place I want to be resting for eternity. You know, <laughs> like when ashes thrown in there, it terrifies me, but- Maybe people like the idea of it's just the great unknown and maybe you, yeah. it's, you know, that's the next unknown step. for the next, yeah. Right. It is the next step. I mean, unless you know it, do you know the next step? And then of no. what, what happens after we die yeah. with our spirit or if we have spirits or if we have souls Who knows? and what happens to them? Well, I think we have no, souls. No, I don't know. We have some, well, it's brain <laughs> chemicals. Yes, let me tell you all the answers. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just thought, I feel like we talk, ask about it. I like, I like shows that say um, that it's just the next stage of life. Like there's this but life. Actually, it's not. It's death. <laughs> but death uh, right. Death. Not this next stage of life, but the next stage of people. Mm-hmm. So that we have, what if there was something before this and maybe you don't remember it, but then we, we have Doctor Who. If you watch Doctor Who, they do something like that. So there's people living in, the, in this world. And then when you die, it's really just a different stage of existence. A different stage of existence, but you're not really a good stage. And also you can feel everything that's happening. So if you decided to be cremated, you're going to be on feeling like burning, like you're, you know. If you decide to be put into a tree pod, would you be <laughs> squished into an egg position and feel that forever? Yeah. Or would you feel yourself growing into a tree? Well, in that show. Huh. Yeah. I, I hope that's like not reality. a tree in someone's <laughs> yard and they come out and say, oh, there's Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of different options. Sarah's just dropping leaves all over the lawn. What a pain in the ass. God, Sarah, come on. have to rake up Sarah again. But see, doesn't that feel like (laughs) there's Auntie Sarah just making a mess in the yard again? One of my nieces or nephews would have me planted. But see, Which one of you is it going to be? No oh. pressure. <laughs> 20 years they listen, we're like, shit, we cremated her and stuck her in a box. <laughs> you guys better fight over who gets to plant me in their yard. <laughs> I'm going to be offended. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's a couple more things about decomposition oh yeah. I wanted to talk about. Back to nursing. Just because, all right, now here's where it gets more to the October, Halloween mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. And not because death is funny or fun or anything, you know, of course I'm not trying to be offensive, but it's October mm-hmm. and I think about the thriller video mm-hmm. <laughs> and where do people get ideas of zombies and what they look like from? Well, because of probably things that they've seen happen to people after they actually die mm-hmm. and start to decompose. Yeah. So the greenish tint, I've never seen that personally because I usually see people within the first few hours after they die and then they move on to somewhere else. Um, So people do turn or they can turn green a little bit. um, And that's because different gases accumulate within your body cavities. Um, One of them is uh, hydrogen sulfide. And then that mixes with hemoglobin in your blood, which creates sulfhemoglobin. And that's a green pigment. Hmm. So... um, is it so? It's a gas going around because it wouldn't be circulating in your bloodstream because there's it's no a more gas circulation. That mixes with the hemoglobin and it then, makes a new compound that gives a that's a green pigment. And this just 
But if your blood's like pooled to the back of you, you know what I mean? Like, how is it getting all around your body? I guess if it's creating a gas, yeah, it's just and the gas in can you lift, can raise around and, somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. That's their explanation. I'm asking a lot of questions I, that are like I'm a not a forensic scientist, but I wish I could answer that for you, but I can't. But if you are a forensic scientist, please write into us because we'd love to have you on our show. Feel free to tell us why. <laughs> um, also, you know how zombies always have skin peeling off of their mm-hmm. face. Um, so that's a thing. It, they call it skin slippage. Mm. I'd never heard that term before. And ugh, that sounds... Is that because the tendons and ligaments aren't really everything's no, decomposing or? actually it's because so the if you think about it the outer layer of your skin is dead mm-hmm. you know we have dead skin cells that that help hold in moisture and protect mm-hmm. the healthy living layers of skin so then when you're dying um the outer layer separates from the inner layer. There's nothing, there's no blood circulating trying to, you know, keep everything, retain moisture right. or hold it together. Um, so then they start to separate. And did you know <laughs> that there's such a thing as when your skin comes completely off of your hand cleanly and that's called glove formation? Oh, I think I've heard that before. That's really gross. It is. <laughs> but if you're like working with a dead body and you just like go to lift up the hand and it just comes right off. Like, you're still, oh God. You still got the hand. Oh gosh, that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, and then also there's something that can happen to your skin. Well, it's not actually happening to your skin, but it appears like a marbling look mm-hmm. on your skin. Um, so when different bacteria that are Originally, they start in your abdomen and then they start to migrate to other places in your body because there's mm-hmm. no reason they don't, they can't now because, you know. Is that just called marbling? Um, it, it, well, when they move to different places, hang on, let me see what I said. Oh, yeah. They, they cause your blood vessels to look blue or purple, mm-hmm. not blue, purple or greenish. And then oh, that's okay. what gives you the marbled look. Oh, yeah. okay. Because don't live people have that too? Like you modeling, we call it modeling though. And like, but modeling is different. That's usually pink and red, you know, that's mixed true. with different white. colors. Yeah. yeah. But that's it's like a, more blood. Yeah. Um, and just, I can't even remember what modeling is from right now, but that's, you know, usually more of a red or like mm-hmm. a ruddy. And this it's is like similar, and, but different colors. Green. I mean, I mean, kind it's of. not similar actually, like what's causing it, but it's never mind. It just brought up the idea of modeling in my head, but never this mind. This to me sounds like it's actually in your blood vessels. It's contained. So, you know, okay. instead of my hand looking, you can see a faint blue, mm-hmm. you know, blood vessel pattern. It would be, you know, purple or green, something that looks, mm-hmm. and also I guess it could get into your little, um, uh, what are the tiny vessels called? Capillaries. Capillaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. I didn't know all these stages existed. Uh huh. Death, death, and dying. Um, there's something that can happen to your eyes. So if your eyes remain open after death, then the exposed part of the cornea will dry, and that can um, leave a red, orange to black discoloration, which is called taque noir. Or what? noir. Red, orange to black. Oh, okay. I think I've seen pictures of that. That's crazy, isn't it? Taque noir. Yeah, it's T-A-C-H-E, tac noir, tac noir. Well, noir means black, uh-huh. so. And okay. stain is the other word, black stain in okay. French. Huh. Um, and then the last thing is the putrefaction. Um, and that's just basically different bacteria, fungi, um, insects, scavengers, other things. Mm-hmm. Um, just basically start to Decompose. strip all the soft tissue off your skeleton. And it's like the final decomposition right. part. 
but joining the earth again. It's a big wow. cycle. It is. That's why I think it's... Reduce, it, reuse, recycle. There you go. <laughs> Even your own body. I mean, hey, we can grow trees with our bodies. Um, maybe don't eat any fruit from that tree, but... <laughs> what if you grew to like a fruit tree? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a bite of Sarah. Yeah. Well, Sarah's a, so sweet. Oh, Sarah's bitter this year. <laughs> <laughs> she did not like this cold safe then. <laughs> <laughs> I would so do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what you said. I heard what you said. Eat that, you little brats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think about not going to college? I'm going to make this year's fruit sour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you a poison apple and then you're going to sleep until you can grow a little older and make some good decisions for yourself. Okay? See, I think it's a good idea. I think we should all become trees. <laughs> Maybe all the fairy tales goes back to Adam and Eve, you know? Maybe someone's pissed off grandpa was like, you ate the apple and you ate your grandpa and, you know. God is the pissed off grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, some people are going to be real mad about that. (laughs) Yeah, because you didn't do an authoritative God voice. Oh, sorry. You ate the apple. Maybe God was a woman. That's true. But she still sounds like that. You ate the apple. I'm all powerful. Isn't it weird we can't make our voices any deeper? Hello. <laughs> it's like as deep as I can go. <laughs> My brother can make his voice so deep and then he also can make it pretty high. Oh. And he goes, I'm singing in the lowest falsetto. <laughs> Is she a singer? Does he sing? Yeah, he does sometimes. Is it good though? Yeah. yeah. Not when he sings in a falsetto yeah. voice. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise in general, yeah, he's a good singer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like this topic. Yeah, I think it's super, super fitting for October Really interesting because a lot of people probably don't know, including me, I did not know all these stages and now I want to research more. Me either. Um, I've gone into, I don't know if you've ever found these on Instagram, but there's um, morticians? No. Mortimer. No, there are not morticians. <laughs> there <What>? are people <laughs> who work with dead bodies and they post these really crazy things on Instagram and then you go down this rabbit hole and find really creepy, gross things on Instagram and then you have to stop looking because it's like three in the morning and you need to go to work and you found some really creepy stuff and now you can't sleep. No, what um, kind of stuff do they show? I'll just... Does, is it crime scene photos? No, or no, no. Is it- it's like them working... They don't show anything that would like identify a person, but dead bodies and brains and cuts and like people that are dead and really um, gruesome images of like arms and things ripped off and like Ooh. they probably died in a gruesome accident, but they it came to them and so just really in brains and two I mean like really the things that they like obviously because they're working with dead people mm-hmm. are really really different than what we normally see on social media. So I have gone down several of those because I'm so, I'm interested. And then I get so far and I'm like, I don't want to look at this anymore. You know, I'm only (laughs) interested to a certain extent of uh, intense death and all that. Um, So if anyone's interested, that's where you can find pictures and Instagram, Instagrams, all the social medias. Um, So there's a couple other things I wanted to talk about too. Just other things to consider before you die. Things like having a living will or advanced directive. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say you should do it. Not, you know, not just people who are older need to have these. All people, all adults need to have these. Do you have one? No. But now I know how to make one because I looked it up today. There you go. And it's really not hard. So, all right. So I'm going to tell you how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, first we'll talk about what they are. So a living will basically is, in a type, is a type of advanced directive and it says what you want to happen 
with your healthcare in the event that you're not able to make a decision. So if you're unconscious, mm-hmm. um, what do you want to happen? And then also it can describe, you know, your end of life care preferences. Like I want to be an organ donor or I want to be cremated mm-hmm. or I want to be Do they have like tree. a questionnaire online mm-hmm. and stuff? Can you pull one up? Yeah. You um, should do it and then I'll answer all the questions. Okay, cool. I, um, I've looked at them before. You should do a living will too, Sarah. No, wait, that's what I said I'm going to do. Oh, you're going to do it? Yeah, now that I know how to do it. Oh, yeah. So, because I was always thinking that you had to have a lawyer and some people recommend that you do because Mm -hmm. just different states have different requirements and they're saying, oh, you should have a lawyer do it to make sure that you, it's Mm going to be a valid document. But what I found was a link on the American Bar Association website that points you in the right direction for whatever state you live in. So if you Google American Bar Association Advanced Directive, it'll take you to a page that, you from there, you can find a link to your specific right. state. And the one for California is so cool because it has lots of different options. There's one that looks kind of legal and formal, but it's not that hard to understand. But then there's one in plain text, you know, that almost anybody could read and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has pictures and everything. And um, pictures of what? Just people talking to people and someone oh. in a hospital bed, just cartoons. It just oh, okay. helps you to imagine things. I was better. like, of you in a coffin? Of you in a <laughs> Do car you want this or you want this? this? Growing a tree? Well, I want that one. <laughs> yeah. This is a person squeezed up like a fetus under a tree. Um, and so uh, they also have it in a variety of languages for California. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually English and Spanish for most, uh, most other states. Uh, so yes, this is good for all people because unexpected things can happen at any mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think about whitewater rafting and something could happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I told all my family what I want and I told Ryan what I want, but... Well, the problem with that is people get emotional and true. they can either not remember or not want to do that because they don't want to let you go. So having it in writing, mm-hmm. I've also told everyone and I think I have it written somewhere just in case, but I, I really should do that because also having type 1 diabetes, I could die in my sleep. And like I don't want to be kept a vegetable and that's the type of things you can specify in your living wills. Exactly. Uh, in your living will. Uh, you know, do everything you can to save my life, but if I'm going to be a vegetable, please don't keep me alive for 10 years when I'm not really able to do anything. And see, I don't even want everything to be done to save my life. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, and this is where I can see where my family or mm-hmm. even Ryan could have a qualm with this because I'm right. still relatively young um, and could live a long life after this. Mm-hmm. Even if something tragic happened to me, they could, you know, I could be mm-hmm. resuscitated possibly and live for a long time. But do I want that? Right. I don't know. I don't think I do just for the simple fact of, I don't want to go through that recovery process mm. after having, um, you know, CPR, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, and this is just me personally, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have kids. I don't, you know, I, of course I would like to be around for the people who love me, but I also just want to die a natural death. I'm mm-hmm. dying of something, uh, you know, that I love to do. I hope I don't die rafting. But yeah. if I did, right. that wouldn't be so horrible, mm-hmm. you know, and it's mm-hmm. kind of less scary than the unknown of aging and who knows what might happen to you, you right. know? What and if I ever got cancer and had to have cancer treatment? You know how I am about health stuff. Like yeah, I might. Yeah. And it ugh. might be fine and you might live and it might be okay and you recover from, but it might not. And you, mm. every single human being has the right to make that decision for themselves. And it, not a single other person has to agree with it. That's you have true. every right to decide how you want to die and how you want to live. 
I want to be combined with a bird's body uh, when I die. It's going to be really awkward because most <laughs> birds are much, much smaller than you are. So that I can rise like a phoenix. <laughs> oh, see, that ended well. That was so jastic. You don't have an unlimited array of choices, but you do have some choices. Um, I don't think that's the option. Can you check that box? I would like to rise would you like, like to like a become phoenix? a phoenix? <laughs> yes. Also, how big are phoenixes? Because my head's a little large. Okay, pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They don't have any of those anymore? Uh-oh. Well, I better choose something else. <laughs> a pigeon. I guess I'll go with the oh, pigeon. No, the rats of the sky. Oh, you know, you get a lot of food. I love eating. <laughs> you can poop all over people you don't like. I mean, you could do that as an adult human too. I don't. I can't like fly above and like drop poop bombs. Also, there's probably other ways you could drop poop bombs. I I just have so many ideas right now. <laughs> Let's hope we don't get reincarnated as birds. Halloween is also a good time for pranks. Sarah? I won't drop poop on you, I promise. I don't care if you drop poop on me. I just don't like being pranked. And I don't like being a part of it, and you know this. (laughs) Fine. I'll try to respect your wishes, but if you could put it in writing, I would have a much easier time doing that. Well, I will, right after this podcast. (laughs) Okay, so another thing you might want to think about is um, appointing someone as a power of attorney or they call it a durable power of attorney. Um, They also call it other things in other states like a healthcare proxy or a attorney in fact or something. I don't know. They have different Mm -hmm. words for it in different states. So find out what your state calls it. Um, And that's just somebody who can like make decisions for you about your healthcare when you're not able to. And this is a good idea, even if you have a living will, because you can't answer every single question in a living will. You can't think of every single right. circumstance. Maybe nobody asked me if I wanted to be combined with a pterodactyl, but if I appoint Ryan and he says, I know her, she yeah. wants to be combined with yeah. a pterodactyl. Also, what if you were, uh, we know that person actually, who I talked about a couple episodes ago, who had that golfing accident. Mm-hmm. Um, he's totally fine now, by the way, he's home. I mean, not She's totally amazing. fine, obviously, but he's mentally all there. So I've been told and, um, but the reason I brought that up was because he was in a, a coma. They put him into a coma on purpose to help his brain swelling. Um, and during that time period, other people had to make healthcare decisions and sign forms for him, obviously. Mm-hmm. So in situations like that, if you have a D-O-P-T, durable D-P-O-A. power of attorney. D-P-O-A. D-O-P-T. <laughs> I don't know. If everyone has a doped AFIG, um, (laughs) if everyone has a durable power of attorney, when you're in induced coma, people can make decisions for you. (laughs) And if they don't like you, they might sew you to a pigeon. I don't know. And then you could poop on them later. (laughs) Because I think for me right now, because I'm not married, and my, you know, parents are living, so I think they would have mm-hmm. the the decision making, which my mom, I think, would be okay. But my dad's not even in my life, right. so that would be really weird if he all of a sudden got to come back and say, "She wants us, like you don't even know me." Yeah, like she, no, yeah, that's not what she wants. You that's know? why it's important. The people who know you best, you should assign as, I would think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as your durable power of attorney. They know you the closest. Yep. Um, and your parents might think they did, but they might have known you when you were younger as a kid and you might seem very different. You might have very different ideas and you might not have shared them with them or who knows, but it's true. Or they might just, you know, cause they're your parents and right. they want, they are used to making decisions mm-hmm. for you and doing what they think is best for you. Not necessarily what you think is best for you. Or 
it might be so hard for them that they should not be the ones that have to make that decision to maybe end your life or Mm -hmm. something like that. Like it shouldn't have to go to them. It could go to somebody else, you know? So not that it's easy for anybody, but just saying. Um, so things you can outline in your living will, I'm not going to talk anymore about power of attorney. We get, get what that is, um, are whether or not you want resuscitation. So you can put that in the living will, but ultimately a doctor has to order that, a DNR or a DNI. So do not resuscitate or do not intubate. Um, so anyway, that's something to think about. Because if something happened if something happened to me out mm-hmm. rafting, EMTs would show up and do everything they could to save my life. Right. I know that for a fact. And there's really not anything I could do to stop them mm-hmm. short of getting a, ta- a DNR tattoo on my forehead. And even then they might still do it, you know? Because right. um, you need to have a doctor's order. Mm-hmm. And if someone calls 911... That's the point of them calling 911 is for the EMT to show up and do whatever they can. Right. So that scares me. Um, Ventilation, we talked about that, intubating. Um, Tube feeding. Wait, explain. I don't know if everyone knows what intubation is. Oh, intubation is if you don't have the ability to breathe for yourself, they insert a tube down your trachea that, you know, can they use a machine to ventilate or breathe for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Or do a... a tracheotomy. Yeah. There's yeah, if, if multiple you're ways to airway, get... if you had like we're in a car accident or something, right? And they couldn't get through down your throat or something, they could cut open. That's why you see people with trach- mm-hmm. trachs, they cut open the middle right there and just shove the tube yep. right down. Right in your windpipe. Right in windpipe. <laughs> That's what my grandma used to call it, my windpipe. <laughs> I got something stuck in my windpipe. <laughs> um, tube feeding. Uh, something else to think about. Would mm-hmm. you ever want tube feeding? That's when you can't eat because you're unconscious or for whatever reason you can't eat mm-hmm. and they can insert a tube in, you know, either through your nose or mouth or even directly from the outside of your body, a surgical procedure through your stomach and feed you with, you know, um, basically blends of things mm-hmm. like smoothies. All the nutrients <laughs> you basically need yeah. to stay alive and instead, since you are unconscious or whatever, can't eat, they will put it in a tube so that you don't die of starvation, mm-hmm. malnutrition. They can also give you nutrition through an IV. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to think about. Dialysis, would you want, let's say you were unconscious and your kidneys were failing, would you want dialysis? What if mm-hmm. your kidneys never recover? Would that be something mm-hmm. you would want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, is live on dialysis and maybe potentially have to get a kidney transplant. Or would you maybe. want mm-hmm. antibiotics or antiviral medications? Um, you know, some people might say, yeah, of course, but then what if it, you have to get really strong antiviral or an- antibiotics in particular and they can cause organs to fail? Mm. I mean, there's a lot of different things to consider and I can see why people don't do this because it's really overwhelming when you start to think about all the different choices that you yeah. have. Um, would you want comfort care or palliative care? And that's, um, you know, basically just focusing your care on comfort rather than life-saving measures. Mm-hmm. I think 100% yes, that's one thing I would agree to. <laughs> that sounds I don't the know best. Who would not want comfort care? Like if you're going to die anyway, like please yeah. keep me comfortable and not in pain and give me all the morphine and make sure I'm happy and let me die that way. Yeah, even if I'm not going to die, just make me comfortable. Yeah. Can I, w- I think um, let's just start comfort care right now. It's just going to be putting pillows under my feet. There you you go. know, <laughs> Ryan just spoils me. I mean, you're drinking the wine. There's part of it. <laughs> comfort care is the best. Mm-hmm. And palliative care teams are awesome. And, you know, they consult palliative care for people who aren't even, you Explain know, going to be palliative dying. care is though. So quick, palliative sure. care is, is basically comfort care. You're just doing things to treat symptoms and mm-hmm. make people feel good rather than try to cure them. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, 
if someone has a big tumor from, you know, if they have a cancerous tumor, part of palliative care might be removing part of that tumor, not because they think it's going to cure you, but because it just, maybe that tumor is pressing on something that makes you really uncomfortable Um, or just giving you medications to keep you comfortable or focusing on things that you personally you know, make you feel comfortable, like having a certain spiritual practice or music mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah, it's a great. Essential thing. oils or. It's a really, really wonderful thing, I think, that we offer in medicine. I agree. I think it's underutilized too. I mean, um, you don't have to be dying to get palliative care. And I think that's kind of people's hesitation is they think, oh, this means it's the mm-hmm. end for me. The doctor's recommending yeah. palliative care. But actually studies have shown that people who accept palliative care services tend to live longer than expected um, mm-hmm. and have better quality of life. That's the purpose right. of it is to give you better quality right. of life while you're alive. Well, our mind, I mean, our mind is really the most powerful thing in our body. So if your mind is being taken care of, a lot of times you can keep going or you may be happy or you find a way and you can get off palliative care and you live. A lot of, mm-hmm. when I worked in pediatric uh, home care, um, we had a lot of kids who would go, or several who would go on hospice and then they got off hospice again. Um, I mean, they just didn't, they didn't die, you know? And like, you think, oh my God, it's a death sentence. I'm not going to accept it. Cause you can decline mm-hmm. going on hospice and having these nurses come to really just make you comfortable. Um, but uh, it doesn't mean that you have to stay on. I mean, you, you are allowed to recover. That's true. Uh, also just something I wanted to say what you were mentioning about, would you want food feed, uh, tube feed and all that stuff? Well, probably most people don't want that forever. Some people live like that. They have like GI disorders and they have tube, they're called tubies and you learn a totally new way of living when you have a, a, a chronic condition. Um, or like our friend who had the golfing accident, he had the really, really, he was intubated and in a coma and probably had a G tube or a TPN or something, which is the IV. Mm-hmm. And now he's back to his life and he's fine. He's with his family and his girlfriend. So he had all of those interventions, like all the ones that you think, oh, I don't know if I'd want someone doing that. And it was temporary. Mm-hmm. And now he's himself and he's back to his life. And it was a month out of his life and it was a terrible accident. But like, you know, you might have these interventions forever, which was not what I would want if I was, that was how I was living. But if they thought maybe it was a year out of my life and then I could get back to it or a month or, I mean, you never know. So really consider, you might not like the idea of something like that, but consider, well, you know, you can even write in your, you can really customize them and say, you know, I want this for a period of time until you deem that it will probably be the rest of my life or will I be mentally there, but I still am going to have a G2 because my colon died or something. Mm-hmm. That's fine with me, you know, but I can still mentally be there and I can actually do things with my life. You know, it, there's just people are willing to live with different things. That's true. And I live with something that's different also. Like I've had to live with an adjustment in my life Yeah, and it's totally worth living. I'm so glad I'm still alive. And I, I'm glad you are too. I give myself shots and I, well, it's a very expensive and all these things I have to go through, but glad you take care of that stuff. I, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's worth it. And you just decide what you're okay with and it's totally fine if you're not okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. everyone, I don't think there should be any judgment in the way that you want to die. And I think the judgment comes from people who love you to death and don't to death. They don't want you to, <laughs> to die. death. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. So, okay. So you want me to ask you some of these questions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so one of the questions is who do you appoint as someone to make decisions for you in the case that you can't make decisions for yourself? 
My mom. Okay. And um, so let's see. When can your mom make decisions for you? Only after you're not able to make your own decisions or now right after I sign this form? <laughs> That's one of the questions. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, um, only after I'm not able to make my own decisions. Okay. Good choice. She like calls tomorrow. Uh, no, she is definitely vegan and she definitely only eats purple things and she only <laughs> likes to be bald. No. <laughs> if your mom can't do it, then who, do you want to name someone as an alternate? Oh dear. Wow. You don't have to, but what if something, what um, if you and your mom were both in a car accident? Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess it would just have to be Carter. He's my p- boyfriend of three and a half years, known him seven or nine years or something. And we wouldn't make like, personally, he would make a totally different decision about his body than I would. And we've had so many arguments about this Mm -hmm. or discussions, you know, but I think he knows me well enough. Aside from my mother, he knows me well, probably the closest and closer than any other person does. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So this has put an X along this line to show how you feel today in your current health. But I'll just, so at one end of the spectrum is my main goal is to live as long as possible, no matter what. The other end is my main goal is to focus on quality of life and being comfortable. And in the middle is equally important. Hmm. I definitely don't want to live as long as possible because to me, I want to enjoy my life and I want to be doing all the things that I enjoy. And if there's the majority of my life is spent doing things that I are not being able to do things I enjoy, then it's more being comfortable and Mm -hmm. dying. So where would you put your ex? Like more toward the focus of quality of life and being comfortable or equally important Um, somewhere in between the two or? I I think probably more closer to quality of life and being comfortable. I mean, like not, it's not, it doesn't, I don't think that has to mean like, I don't want, you know, like don't save me. I think mm-hmm. people think that if you say like DNR, it means they're not going to try to save you as hard. Like do not resuscitate in hospitals. I've heard people say, well, if I say that, then they're not actually going to try to save me as hard. Right. And that's not true. They like will, we're going to withhold they other will treatments because right. we they, think you want to die. No, right. not true. Not true at all. Um, so yeah, I want to be able to enjoy my life. I think that's the whole point of living. What if you were so sick right now that you may die soon? Would you still put your ex on the same spot? That's the next question. I'm so sick that I may may die soon. Like if you knew death was coming. That's a tricky question. I mean, if I knew death was coming, I guess the whole point of that question is because you're scared of dying, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, I still want to be... So now do you want to like right. make sure you live longer or now do you really just want to focus on com- comfort? I think it would still leave it at the same spot. Like, well, if you save me, am I still not going to be able to do the things that I love to do? You know, like mm-hmm. I don't... I think until you're in that situation, you can't really answer that honestly. You have you can guess what you might think, but I would keep mine the same. Um, if you're dying, where do you want to be? At home, in the hospital, or either? At home. And is religion or spirituality important to you? Mm, may no, uh, maybe spirituality. May, I'm not religious or spiritual, really, but. It might be nice when I'm dying. Which, to, what do you? Yeah. What would you want your medical providers and your POA to make to know about your religious or spiritual beliefs? I don't have any at all, but I I would imagine like some sort of Buddhist thing in the Tao, and like it's a whole part of life, and this is a cycle, and everything's born and everything dies, and something about being at peace with the universe, something like that. 
So do you mean you would want people to bring in artifacts or say stuff? Like a um, yeah, chaplain I mean, should come in and kind of express those <laughs> no, beliefs? No, no, or? no, no chaplain. Because no. a chaplain can represent various mm, religions. Yeah, but to me that's like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not, I really am not like, it would probably be like um, someone I knew or even a Buddhist monk or like something like that, something Buddhist probably. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more of that than anything else or the things I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably someone, if they could find anyone like that, like maybe reading the Tao to me or mm-hmm. bringing in beautiful pictures of nature or, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking that too. Or if someone could take me out in nature, yeah. that would be ideal. Yeah. Um, and if people could play my favorite music, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I guess, more spiritual, you know, kind of, it's mm-hmm. not ex- especially spiritual, but right. that's what I would want I for feel like, my spirit. Yeah. And it, it, I think it feel, it kind of brings you back to, you know, when you, when you think, oh my God, all this stuff and you're really stressed out and then you step back and realize how tiny you are on this planet and that there's a whole world and whole galaxy and a whole universe and you are a part of it and it's okay. Like every single person is born and dies and every single plant is born and dies and bug and insect. I mean, like everything is just part, it's the cycle of life. You're born and you die. And that's the whole cycle. And being closer to that out in nature is so comforting. Like nature has you, you know, mm-hmm. like I think, yeah. Oh, look, I feel like we're bonding. I know. <laughs> like, are you sure you don't want to appoint me as your DPOA now? Oh. No, because <laughs> you probably like stick me in a raft wishes. and like stick me down the river and I'd be like, I hate you. Sarah. It's time for her to go. <laughs> and then I'd be like, psych, just kidding. It was a prank. I'm going to do whatever you want. And then you'd be mad at me because it was a prank. Oh. <laughs> Could you sing in Spanish to me? Sure, but I only know one song. It's Actually, I know two songs in Spanish. Oh, one you... is a birthday song. Oh, okay. Estas son las mañanitas. And then the other one is, Quiero, quiero, quiero el bistec. <laughs> oh, no, 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 el bistec. Right. El aro de chocolate, flan, galletas y bombones. Oh, I love... lots of things we like to eat. Yeah. I, I don't know about the bistec, <laughs> but like all of the sweet things, that sounds great. Because I'll be dead and I'm a diabetic and I can eat all the sweet things at that point. <laughs> mm, el aro de chocolate. Mm, galletas. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to ask you any more questions about death and dying. I think we've uh, we've explored death and dying part one. I think that, yeah, I think that's super interesting. And you should all go on and fill out this form. I think I'm going to do it maybe this weekend. You oh, should- something to keep in mind. You either have to have it notarized or you have to have two witnesses sign it. Oh, well, that's easy. Yeah. So, and yeah. check your, your state's requirements about that. That's what I found for California. You can just have two other people sign it mm-hmm. saying she did this without somebody pressuring her to do it. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to make me and Carter do that this weekend. I know my parents have both Fun already done activity. it. What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm just going to fill out an advanced directive. It's the cool thing to do, people. Just do it. We're going to do it. But you never know. Like I know Carter would want me to probably, or or who I don't know, who, whoever, maybe his friend, but like someone rather than like other people that don't know him so well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. So you just need two people to sign. Okay, huh, mm-hmm. that's cool. And you can just print it offline. Mm-hmm. Re- re- say the website again so people can, um, and I can well, remember. Well, the one for California is is different, but if you go on the AmericanBar.org, um, but what I just did was Google American Bar Advanced Directive because then that'll take you directly to that 
page and then you on their website. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. It gives you links to state-specific advanced directive forms. All right. I'm going to check with you next week. And you guys have better done your direct- okay. advanced directive forms. Okay. Okay. I'm going to get mine notarized just to make it more official because I feel like I want people to follow that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't want there to be any question. Have you ever had anything? They'll be like, was it a Pikachu who signed your form? Because I don't <laughs> think that qualifies. It has to be human. <laughs> Have you ever had anything notarized before? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something, some legal document, uh, probably having to do with marriage or divorce mm-hmm. or... I was wondering else. if that would be, yeah. I think when I had to like get my visa to like go live in Spain, we had to have, it wasn't called notarized, but it was called a... Oh, something really similar. Notaria. No, it was here, but they had to like have this special person do a signature and a stamp on my form. It wasn't a notary public? uh, It might have been. It might have had, yeah, that's probably it. I just have a terrible memory. A notary public is the person who does the job of notarizing. Yeah, it was was probably that. We met like at Aromas and he like signed my forms. (laughs) I remember that. Sounds lovely. Yeah, it was great. It was a great job. Uh, Yeah, well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Happy Halloween. Uh, You can uh, write to us about your death and dying experiences or anything you want at www.nurses at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at WhiningWNurses. We're your one.